0: hey maroon welcome to the mindchimp podcast how are we doing
1: hey danny things are good how are you i'm, I'm wonderfully
0: well it's what it, i don't even know what day it is because of covid i've lost it's like christmas right you forget what day you're on and a date but the sun's shining so that's all that matters that's all that matters
1: that, that's interesting because i woke up this morning and i thought it was a weekend and then i realized it was only tuesday <laughs>
0: Uh so so how are you anyway how are you in the kind of covid times are you are you doing well and stuff as well as can be
1: So yeah I mean my life hasn't changed that much because I always worked from home so that's still the same uh of course my whole family is at home now as well which is the difference Um there's a lot of distractions so it's a bit harder to focus Um but yeah no we can still go outside and the weather has been nice so relatively lucky okay uh although i still like to complain sometimes about it
0: <laughs> fair enough fair enough okay Mary. <laughs> so what, what i need you to do for me so as as most episodes go i ask you two key questions at the start so first thing i need you to do is pick um six numbers from one to a hundred
1: okay uh five 16, 72,
0: 93
1: and 99. Perfect. Oh, there was only five, right?
0: One, two, three, four. Yeah, one more, one more. (laughs)
1: Uh, 45.
0: 45, perfect. We will come back to that later on. So, maybe I tend to ask my guests when they come on the show, what's what's their logline, their summary of who they are? Do you know what yours is?
1: Hmm. I would say, maybe it's a bit pretentious, but anyway, I'll go with it. I think I'm a, a critical learner, always asking why.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. I'm sure we will come back to that or we'll figure out why it is your log line. So, you know, Mary, me me and you are, are kind of, you know, we're friends. We we talk, we have Skypes here and there. And then, well, I like to think we're friends anyway. Um, but, <laughs> sure. but, so, yes, thank you. <laughs> Thank the Lord <laughs> you said that. It could have been very awkward. Um, but obviously, some of the people on my show might not know who you are. So maybe you could maybe give us a bit of a, bit of a heads up on who you are and, and you know what, what your career has been like. So from where you come from to where you are, are right now, I guess.
1: Okay. So um, I was born in the Netherlands and my career started there as a speech therapist working with children with neurological, um, problems. And, uh, after five years or so I quit, uh, I moved to Mexico and I started studying learning sciences. So I did that through, uh, an online university in the Netherlands called the Open University. And so I could do everything online. Um, and I did some projects like, you know, on the ground uh, in Mexico, and then I moved to Seattle. So I continued to study and completed, you know, a couple of internships in instructional design, um, and slowly moved towards more like senior roles, more strategic roles. Then moved to Dublin, and now this is my fifth job since I moved to Dublin. Wow! So, yeah. I've been here. I started with a couple of contracts first when I first moved here. So uh, now I'm with Accenture. I'm a learning experience design lead, which means that I basically lead like the front end design processes for internal clients. Um, I am usually involved uh, early days. So even when we don't know yet what the problem is that we're trying to solve sometimes, which I like because then, you know, you can at least think through like the whole, uh, what's the problem? Are we solving the right problem? Are we solving the problem the right way kind of things. And then when we've determined what, you know, what part of the problem needs a learning solution, I work with various teams in Accenture to, uh, I usually design like the overall framework and then work with the teams to, you know, develop it out and, um, and deliver it. Um, whatever that means can mean many different things but um, I consider myself almost as a um, uh, what's the word I I feel that I'm responsible to make sure that whatever we design is aligned with what we're trying to achieve which might sound like the obvious but it's really difficult because in the process you know people come up with all kinds of ideas or they have uh ideas around oh here's an interesting piece of content that we can use as well or oh we can play this game or i've heard about this really interesting tool so you have to be really like on the ball like okay stop this is what we're trying to achieve um yeah so i see myself as responsible for the whole design integrity of the experience cool cool and that's
0: actually a really important part that that thing what you talk about kind of I try and call I call it magpie syndrome like oh shiner new must be the best thing
1: i, I am not suffering from that one <laughs> <laughs> some people are but I'm not one of them
0: but I think I think that's so I think it's key you know a lot a lot of the clients which I work with it's a case of a lot of the time it's me going in there and, and trying to stop that and put the brakes on it you know shine is good if it fixes the actual problem but actually how much have you how much have you stress test that problem? And actually, is that the problem? Is that is that the downstream or the upstream problem? Like, there's there's so much to think about on it. I, I, yeah, it's a, it is an important role. It's definitely an important role. So out of all the places you've lived, which one's been your favorite so far?
1: Ooh, that's a difficult one. I really, really enjoyed living in Mexico. That was kind of because it was such a... Um, you know there was no worries like it was all like we could just live it day by day and yeah with like nice lunches in the sun and it was all great but now I don't know I also liked yeah I like different places for different reasons I'd say
0: okay okay I'll let you swerve that one Miriam. I'll let you swerve that one Mexico's (laughs) one of the places where I kind of I want to go um but it, I think it's it's a hit and miss on on, on which part I want to go and, and why. I always picture that, like you say, the nice live by day by day and have a drinks and you know Mexican food. But yeah, it's it's still on the, it's on my list. It's on my list for sure. Mexico. So, yeah, yeah. It's it's for life. It's a life. So yeah, I've I I want to jump into a book, but before we go there, I want to understand. You know. Sometimes when we get interviewed on, you know, for jobs and whatever else, we get asked, "What's the best?" You know, "Tell me everything good about you and, and all the best things." And I I think actually sometimes the question we should be asking is, "What does your failure resume look like?" Sure. like because I think we can learn more from failure. So if I could ask you now, Miriam, what what's what does your failure resume look like? What what one jumps out, and and that can be is for me. As early in your career or as as new as your career, what what's one what jumps out to you?
1: How concrete does it have to be? Because I I have a generic one that I think is <laughs> requires continuous work, <laughs> <laughs> which is <laughs> that I like I'm really direct and and so sometimes I'm a bit confrontational, and that uh, that is something that uh, I have to be really aware of. And, um, yeah, kind of figure out who can deal with that and who can't.
0: Okay. Okay. That's good. I think
1: things need to be said. And I have to learn that you don't always have to say it. You can sometimes decide to not say it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sometimes the best thing, best left on the set is the best thing, right? Right. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Well, I guess... Obviously, we know what your failure resume looks like. What's the most the, the your biggest personal success recently?
1: Well, so I mean, the book is quite of like an obvious answer, I think because I do feel you know it just takes a lot of effort and I do feel that's an accomplishment. so I consider that a success as in you know the completion of it. but actually also, in the current situation, I just adapting to all the change without I mean I'm not saying I find it easy but i i I think I'm successful in accepting that it is what it is at the moment which is for my personality because I like to have control quite difficult um, so I consider that a success personally okay okay
0: out of interest what when you was in school I'm a teacher and say Mimi, what do you want to be when you grow up? What, what did you want to be when you were younger?
1: <laughs> I wanted to be a singer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really funny because I, I am re- I'm a really bad singer, so I have no idea. Well, I, I guess I liked to be on stage when I was a child. So I think that was appealing to me. Um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to be.
0: Maybe next time when we're at a, a conference and we have a few beers, and maybe hear that beautiful voice of yours. Really. No,
1: don't go there. <laughs> so, so kind of where where did
0: that where did this um this desire come from to write this book? Like where where did that come from? So you know, I, I get some people, um, you know, love the idea of writing and, and doing blogs and stuff. But actually, why did you decide to write the book anyway? Where where did that come from?
1: Hmm. Well, so it's it's in the same along the same lines of why I'm writing my blog. Like what I'm what I'm trying to do um, together with with Paul Piersner is drive change in the learning and education field. Um and to me that's really important because I think learning is important important you know for many different reasons and I just feel that we need to mature and I think that's critical and I just felt that if we could write it in a book format where we have you know the good stuff that we already kind of had through our blog but then really focused on workplace learning because you know there's a lot of change needed there if you ask me with like a lot of concrete examples. I was just, the hope was that we could contribute a bit more towards driving that change.
0: Okay, okay. And I've tr- it's just hit me that we haven't even named the book. So rather than me do it, Miriam, could you tell us what the name of your book is?
1: The name of the book is Evidence-Informed Learning Design.
0: Perfect, perfect. Thank you. So so that, that title, Evidence-Informed you know learning design where did that come from kind of is that just something is that something you've took in your day-to-day job and it's something you've done in your career just actually underpinning things with with evidence like wh- wh- where did that come from
1: yeah that's and it's it actually is based on on what we do on our blog um because that's about evidence informed learning design because that's basically what we do and although we acknowledge that you know evidence informed means different things right it's not just the scientific evidence it's also your own expertise and the learner needs uh and you know we can have other types of data as well but we focus on the scientific part of it
0: okay okay so obviously we're 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 in the learning world right that's that's what we do but actually what did you learn about about you know what did you learn in the process of writing this book (laughs)
1: I learned that writing is really hard um for different reasons I, I for me personally it's hard because the more I learn the more I feel that I don't know enough so it's really hard to stop at some point and accept that it's good enough for what you're trying to get across um so that's one part of it um I've also learned that it's, I think it's important to find some structure and really find focused time because if you can't focus, you can't write. Like you have to have space in your head and, you know, focus and otherwise you're not going to get it done, I think. Uh, Also, I've learned that you have to be open to criticism because I think when you start writing, you're kind of stuck in your own bubble and your own thought process. So you kind of need to accept at some point that people are going to say. So what? I I had a colleague actually who who has reviewed reviewed the book, and she was very good at saying, okay, so what? Like, why do I need to care about this?
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: really good because you know you're so stuck in. At least I am. Uh, and okay, this is important. This is important. And and then somebody asking you, okay, so why is it so important? That helps to take a step back and say. Yeah, actually, why is this so important? And then you're forced to explain it in a different way. So, yeah, that's what I've learned. And um, also, I think that using authentic examples is really critical to get across what you're trying to get across, like make it practical. Okay. That sounds like the obvious as well. But, but you it- know, when you talk about research and trying to translate it, then making an extra step um, and really make it practical is not easy sometimes i was
0: just going to say that sometimes that is the hardest step right is is making it so it to some extent you want it to to be so in your face that you can't miss it and sometimes that is by making it you know tangible and practical but just going back to kind of the, the, the first thing which you mentioned and it probably it led me to two questions really how how did, what was your schedule like at read, at writing? Was it kind of, did you have like certain hours set to one side or was it just when you felt inspired or how, how was that?
1: No, it was not when I felt inspired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I have like very busy family life on top of a full-time job. So I had to negotiate uh, with my, uh, with my husband uh, when I could get a block of time to, To work, so I basically I had like like half day blocks on the weekends and then a couple of evenings uh, to write. So about I'd say eight to twelve hours a week.
0: Right, I mean yeah. yeah. So it's it's an interesting one. So I, I don't you know I have my partner and my dog. That's that's my life. Um and and you know I'm I'm in the process of writing something, but another question which kind of jumped out to me when I just listened to you and what emotionally how hard was it so so when I'm writing now I'm writing stuff and I'm going that's a load of crap I start again or uh, and and sometimes I need my partner to go no that's really good you're just being too too critical like what was your emotional like I, I can I'm kind of assuming that um you know it had really high peaks and dips and stuff what was that like
1: yeah I think there's there's um a couple of things to that, like w- sometimes I thought I wrote something really good, and then Paul kind of killed it, you know, because he's really critical. It's like this is a bunch of rubbish like but yeah, I mean, that's not nice, right? So then you get like like a mm. dip uh, but then of course, you know I mean he's he's really <laughs> nice, so you know he he would be able to like lift me up again and and try again. So, but I think that's how it goes. You try something, you get critical feedback, you get a dip, you kind of find a way to lift yourself up or, or ask for help for somebody to help you, <laughs> to help lift you up again. And then you try again uh, until you get it right. And the other part that I found difficult is sometimes you're kind of fed up with your own writing and you're like, oh, yeah, here's like, you know, yeah, here I am again with the same... I, I don't know. It's just kind of like, yeah, you, you're so immersed in the in the content that at some point you're like, okay, can we just stop? Yeah. Like, <laughs> are we done now? Uh, so I think that's another part of it, like to just, you know, be enthusiastic and keep going. That's mm. not always
0: easy. Yeah, no, I can I can imagine. So obviously, you know, you mentioned you was doing this with with um with Paul and stuff. What's 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 been the best and the worst bit about writing this book i guess
1: well for me like the one of the best parts is that i was able to write it with him because he is just so knowledgeable and um you know he he just has like such deep knowledge so it it really helped me to find the focus and narrow things down because um yeah sometimes when you when you know a little bit but not enough you have a tendency to kind of like ramble on about something but because he knows way more than I do you know he was able to help me to kind of like ask a couple of questions to you know to help me narrow it down and sometimes also the other way around happens where I thought it wasn't very good and then you know he was like oh this is this is actually really clear or whatever so that's that was, was um was good as well. Uh but to me, like the process is is something as well that um that was just one of the best. As in, I, I see it as a whole opportunity for professional development because I think writing itself really helps the process information in a really deep manner. So you just learn a lot yourself about you know when writing about mm-hmm. something, which is also one of the reasons I have a blog. Worst Finding the time, feeling guilty, you know, not spending enough time with my family. Um, Yeah, there's always more research to be done. So that's what goes back. What I was saying earlier, like, you know, you you feel like okay, but I need to I need to know even more about this. I don't know enough. So that I found that really difficult to stop and think that okay, this is good enough. It is enough.
0: And I think that that seems like. That's where the pro the struggle comes from, right? Like, what realizing when enough is enough, um, and I don't know. Like I've I've kind of I've struggled with that a little bit myself at the moment. Where it's like, right, you've explained this enough. You don't need to show lots and lots and lots of research. You know, one or two pieces of links and whatever is is enough research. Um, so it's good to hear that you know you struggled as well, <laughs> which is weird to say.
1: I think everybody who writes struggles. So so
0: if if I if you know, if if my listeners were kind of listening now and they asked you what one chapter should they read out of your book? And only one, only one, just to make it extra hard. Mm. What chapter would you sound to read out of your book?
1: Mm-hmm. So I would go with something a bit more practical, I think, you know, to kind of um, seduce people to to read the whole book because I think most people prefer something that they can apply. Um, so there is, in the fourth um, part of the book, there is... Um, it's called Find Focus, and that's about, you know, evidence-informed tools and techniques and ingredients. And I think the ingredients, that's chapter 10, um, they're about, um, so they're about the, um, I'm going to say this. So you have like the the tools, techniques, and ingredients, and the techniques are more like, Um, you know, the types of questions or tasks or uh, prompts or whatever, but the ingredients are like one layer deeper. And anyway, long story short, in that chapter um, with the ingredients, we discuss worked examples. And to me, that is one of the most underutilized and misunderstood ingredients in workplace learning. So I would recommend to read that piece.
0: Okay, so so I guess kind of, you know, touching upon kind of them tools, techniques and ingredients, I think, does, is that the bit where it talks about kind of if, yeah, efficient and effective and stuff? Is that is, is that where it covers that?
1: No, that's throughout the whole book. So that's about the whole learning experience. So what we're saying overall is that, you know, at, when you design learning experiences, you need to uh, try to make them effective, efficient, and enjoyable. And when we say enjoyable, we don't mean like fun. We mean help people to achieve something so that they um, experience success. Okay. So that's something different. Um, no, the worked-out examples are about you know when 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 we think about solving problems, then what you need to do for novice learners, meaning people who are novice to completing a task. So it's not about the main knowledge necessarily. Uh, it's not about how experienced you are in your job. It's more, if you're new to a certain task, then you're a novice learner for that specific task. And worked out examples focus not just on the what, but also on the how and the why. Okay. So it helps to, abstract the information so that people can start to learn why how and why you would solve a problem a certain way and that just helps to transfer it to various situations okay so
0: so kind of picking up on that why so right at the start of the show actually your you t- your tagline um and, and and part of that tagline oh. was why so so kind of yeah break break down your your tagline. Tell me why you picked that one.
1: Well, I am. I am very critical by nature. So I am. I. I uh, some people might say I'm negative. I don't think I'm negative, but I am. I have a tendency to see what can be improved before I am enthusiastic about something. Um. So when I say critical learner is, I. I always try to learn new things. I'm not afraid to try things that I don't know a lot about. I think I have proven throughout my career that I constantly learn new things. So the critical goes to, uh, I don't just believe what I see. I always challenge. And part of that challenging is asking why. And I've, I've had this since I've, was a child i always ask i know it's normal for a certain age to ask why constantly but for me i've never grown out of it (laughs) brilliant
0: (laughs) Brilliant. but 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 it's it's an interesting one with with the why because sometimes you know there's there's simple techniques in like the five whys which you probably used in your career you know to get to kind of root cause but it's it's interesting how how that question, why, is is often overlooked, like, and especially in in things which, which are you know legacy and very hierarchical, like, and and I I kind of always there's a there's a story from, from I think it was a hospital study. they use it as a hospital example, and you're sat on a on the side of a beach uh, a river, and you and your friend are having a picnic, and then to the side of the picnic there's a child getting rushed downstream, to scream for help. So you run in and you get this child out and you throw him to the side to save a life. And as you get back out, another child comes down. So you run back in, do it, and then again, and again, and again. And then as you're really, really tired, saving all these children, your mate, your partner, whoever jumps out and you say to him, where are you going? There's many children to be found, to be saved. And they turn around and go, in, I'm going upstream to find out who's throwing these kids in the river. And I think we, we sometimes stop. We, we never really go... Actually, yeah. what's this route? And I think why is a great question to get there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think especially in what you were saying uh, earlier is true. Like in in especially in organizations, I think people tend to kind of follow the crowd instead of challenging. Like you know, is this really the best way to do things, and why are we doing it this way? Yeah,
0: and, and, but I think part of that is because of friction of going against the crowd right you get it's easier to go with the crowd it's so much easier right it's harder to swim against that tide and um and and that's why I kind of always i always appreciate people who go against against the, you know the crowd or or what the common take on things is and sometimes you know sometimes it's so extreme you're like oof, you know but then
1: yeah but it's also the other way around sometimes because I am because because I am so critical I I tend to I don't know if this is a a, if this is a logical relationship anyway but I have a tendency sometimes to jump to conclusions as well as in oh this is why are they doing it this way that's I don't think that's the right way of doing it. So then when you ask why, sometimes you're surprised because they might have really good reasons to do it in a certain way and you just have overlooked it. Yeah. So that's why it's always also good to, to ask why just to, cha- to to challenge your own
0: assumptions. But, but I think it's really good. I think you're a great example of this why. So I remember we had a call yeah, probably last year. And we were talking about experience design and and what my take on it is. And it was a great conversation. We had a cup of tea, a coffee or whatever it was. And, you know, we did it over Skype. And it it was interesting because I didn't see any assumptions being made by you then. You just did, you know, okay, walk me through that. Why? Why is it this way and not this way? And I remember I got off the car. I was like, that could have gone a totally different way. You know, obviously that could have gone away of your ideas are crap and they don't make sense and, and whatever else. But... You didn't do that. You got on and we just had a really good conversation. So it's interesting because.
1: Yeah, well, if I put in some effort, it can be pretty <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm
0: glad I'm in that category. I'm glad I'm in that category. So so kind of talking about about books. What if you had to give a gift of a book to five people, what you think everybody should read? And it doesn't have to be a workbook, a non-workbook. What what book would you give?
1: That is a really difficult question. I'm just looking behind me because I have my books here. So there is a book, but I couldn't that's not translated in English. Mm, but anyway, it is a really good book. It was actually two books. It's um it's a diary um by a Dutch author called Honey Michaelis, and it's her diary uh, during the Second World War. And it's just, it's really hard to explain why it is so good, but it's, it's mostly good because of the way she thinks. She's just a really original way of, um, she's very perceptive and very mature in her thinking for her, Age. I don't know, I just really it was just really beautiful. So I if it would be available in English, I would give it to everybody. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay.
0: I will um I'll put it in the show notes and then if people can read it we can go and, and grab that. But I think sometimes we when we talk about kind of um you know we we talked about making things tangible and practical. Um I wanna see how practical you can be. So In a way, in a way, anyway. So if I was to ask you, explain what you do to a five-year-old,
1: how would you explain that to them? I would say that I know quite a lot about how people learn and that i work in organizations or places workplaces where people need to learn things you know to be able to do their job and uh i help them do that the best way they can
0: okay okay i like that good good going so these these questions are kind of you know they can be rapid fire or you can jump into them however deep you want to however deep you want to go back um if i was to answer you ask you this question tell me where your mind goes hey sorry we interrupted your podcast but we just wanted to let you know about vendorly where finding learning has developed at vendorly we understand the pain points
1: of looking for reliable vendors and securing new clients We've created a platform to help you with this, save you time, and help you flourish. We want you to be the first to see it, so head over to venderly.co.uk and take a peek. That's venderly with a double n.
0: What's L and D's problem?
1: Oh, we focus on the wrong things.
0: Oh, okay, that's that's smooth. That's fast. What's what would be If you had a stadium of a of a million people, okay, and they're gonna come out of that stadium and we're gonna see a big billboard, yeah, and that you can put any message you want on that billboard to change a million people's minds, what would your message be?
1: Cheapers, Danny. Um. kind of something along the lines of know what you know and know what you don't know okay okay
0: so 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 break that down a little bit that's intriguing i
1: i know that it that's hmm. i feel that people sometimes and this might be by critical side but i feel that people are very easy very easily think that they know what they're talking about in general. Um, And I'm always surprised by that because when I look at myself, I feel the other way around. I feel like I know nothing or very little about most things. And I know a little about a couple of things. (laughs) And uh, I think that, you know, if you look at social media and stuff, the way that people express their opinions and um, I'm not saying that because a lot of people would say that I'm opinionated as well, which I am in it to a certain extent, but not necessarily about things that I don't know anything about. Like I wouldn't go, you know, off about politics or something just because I don't know that much about it. It's not that I don't have opinions, and I would share them with my friends, but not I wouldn't go on the rant about I don't okay. know.
0: Okay, so so that,
1: that so, leads yeah. me on to
0: my next question. Very smooth. It's like we planned that one. So, what's your take on social media? Is it a net positive or a net negative?
1: No, for me it is in the end a net positive. I think as long as you filter enough and focus on the right. Because I mean, social media has brought me a lot of opportunities in the way that you know I I am connected with really really great people there, smart people, people who know a lot about things that I know less about. So to me, that is my personal learning network. So that, for me, in the end, it's a positive. Okay. Okay.
0: So who's who's free people you would recommend in fact let's do it this way who's a three people you would recommend everybody should follow in the learning space and who's two people you recommend people should follow in whatever space so five people all in all this is hard right it's hard to try and fill it down it's
1: really <laughs> hard because it really depends i almost have to open up my twitter account <laughs> There is, it's interesting because there's one person that comes to mind and I don't even know what her Twiddle handle is. Her name is Charlotte. And she just has very, um, I don't know, almost an original way of thinking which is very authentic um, and asks really good questions. So I, I learned a lot from her. But so not a bit silly because I don't know which way handle. But it's okay. Um, who else? Gee, there's so many good people. I really don't know. Can I just? Can I ask for like a range okay. check? Okay,
0: let's rain re- <laughs> let's, let's let's re- check on that one. <laughs> um, you can you can have a think, and then if you send me over, I can tag them in the show notes. Anyway,
1: so okay.
0: for people who are who are in fact, I want actually I want to test your music out actually. Which is a bizarre one. Um, what would your so let's let's picture this? It's a beautiful day, all is well with the world, sun is shining, there's not a cloud in the sky. You woke up nice and fresh, everything's going well. What's a what's a free tracks you play throughout that day? So maybe the track on the way to work, the track on your dinner, and then the track on the way home. What songs would they be? <laughs>
1: um a really good day well i like uh okay i'm kind of giving myself away here but i really like rumors by fleetwood mac so it would be a track of that album okay <laughs> okay he's laughing at me i love that album um uh <laughs> just listening today to kung fu fighter which i really really enjoy okay, okay. And then the last one would be Death Punk uh yes.
0: one more time. There we go. I was my my faith was going slowly but surely. I mean you just pulled it up at the end. You pulled it up at the end. So so I guess kind of just kind of, you know, getting close to the end here, um just being mindful of time. But for anyone who's new into L and D, or maybe they are new and it's, you know, the first year, who what what three or four you know what tips, and this can be three, five, however many you want, but what tips would you recommend someone coming into our industry?
1: I would just really like assuming that this person is not, you know, formally educated uh, because most people in the learning profession aren't. Um, well, they are formally educated, but not <laughs> in the learning, not in the learning science space or instructional design uh, space. I would recommend to really, you know, follow people, learn from people who do their due diligence and do a lot of reading into the research, and that can be, you know, wide wherever your um, preference is. It could be more into, you know, behavioral sciences or um, training sciences, but you know, no kind of like go look for the giants. Like, what are the things that we that are really grounded in research and, and what are the things we know are effective. And also, don't jump on those bandwagons. Like, just don't. Like, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Um, move away from the shiny object stuff. Um, yeah, and just, like, really keep learning yourself. Because honestly, I think a lot of learning people could do better.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting one, right? that, that we're in a learning space and, and there's many of us who don't continually learn and, and don't like I have so many blind spots in my game. It's untrue. And 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 it's it's hard because you show vulnerability by saying that. And I think you, you alluded to this earlier, Miriam. Like being able to say, I don't know is but then there's a difference between the people who don't know and strive to find out and the people who stick their head in the sand and hope for the best. I think
1: the, the worst are the people who pretend they yeah, do you now. That's,
0: that's true. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> Indeed. So I guess, you know, right at the start, near, well, near the start of the show, I asked you what did you want to be when you was a young girl? And obviously, Miriam, you know, as, as I do, that we never really stopped growing up. So if I was to say to you now, Miriam, what do you want to be now when you grow up? What would you say?
1: Um... Hmm. Well, I, I am in, in the right field. I just, I think I would like to be in a place where, where, like, where we really, where I'm with the, working with a group of people who really try to do the same things that I do with like critical people, right? Not, I mean, not people who come into my bubble and we all believe the same things, but you know, people who want to achieve the same thing, which is, you know, maturing the profession. So, I mean, I am in the right profession. If I, if I, if I would need to do something else, I would just like to retire and just uh, read books.
0: <laughs> that sounds like heaven. That sounds like heaven.
1: <laughs> so
0: before we get into the last couple of questions, where can, where can people get of of your book? Where can we go to buy that book?
1: So you can either go to the Kogan page website, they're the publisher, but it's also available on Amazon and any you know website that sells okay. books.
0: Okay. And I'll I'll put the I'll put the link in the show notes as well so people can buy that. Um right at the start of the show, I asked you to pick six numbers. These six numbers tell you to six random items on my list. And the task here, Miriam, oh. is you're on a desert island, and you've found these six items, okay? I need you to tell me what you're going to do with them. So, okay. your six <laughs> items are some nail clippers, a shovel, a button.
1: Do I need to memorize this? You can this? write
0: them down if you want. I'll, I'll let you quickly write okay. it
1: down. <laughs> <laughs> nail clipper? What's your shovel,
0: shovel? Um, A button. Yeah. A button. Um, okay. Some sandpaper and a piece of card. <laughs> yeah, you know, card? like um, paper and card, cardboard. Yeah.
1: Okay. 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 What am I going to mm. do with them? Um, so I'm on a desert island. So I'm going to use these items to survive there. Okay. So, I don't know. I'm yeah, asking. If you want it-
0: the choice is yours. You can either survive or do whatever you want with them.
1: It's funny. I had a similar activity a while ago, like an icebreaker, energize kind of thing. And we just opted for the wine and just <laughs> drink wine until we died. <laughs> so I actually prefer that approach. I have no idea Danny. any, um, well, the nail clipper is just to clip nails. Okay. Um I am going to use sandpaper to, uh, I'm just gonna do it to kind of like keep myself occupied. So I'm gonna sand like, you know, branches or whatever and make them like really smooth. And then um, I'm going to use the shovel to just dig a nice deep hole so that I can (laughs) (laughs) die. And I just, uh, I'll put the button on my forehead so that um uh, so that when i die like and you know people will find me later they would wonder what that button. Like <laughs> <laughs> the cars i don't know i will just um throw it away okay I have no
0: okay good skills good skills so maybe, <laughs> where, where can people find you where can we where can we go to find you
1: so my Twitter handle is Miriam N, so it spells M I R J A M, and then N as in Nancy. Um, uh, and on LinkedIn, of course, just you know, use my name, Miriam Neelin. Perfect. Perfect. Again, I'll put all them in the show notes. And just the, maybe the blog is nice to mention as well. Uh, it's three star learning experiences. WordPress. Perfect. Perfect.
0: Well, Miriam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
1: Well, thanks for challenging me, man. That's what.
0: Yeah, it means that you can go and drink some wine now, though. You, you know, job done. Job done.
1: <laughs> what day was it again? <laughs> weekend, <laughs> weekend, right? Weekend.
0: <laughs> Cheers, <laughs> Miriam.
1: Thanks so much.